context, Steve. Uh, as ever, yeah, do keep that open so you can see what I'm saying. Hopefully it's good from God's words. And let's pray and ask for his help as we look at it together. Our gracious God, we thank you that you are, a, and praise you that you are a speaking God who wants to make yourself known, has done so in the Lord Jesus and does so today in your words. Father, please speak to us as we look at these words that we would treasure and love your words to us. In Jesus' name, amen. What does Jesus want most from you? It's a good question. What does Jesus want most from you? It obviously has quite big picture implications for the kind of things that we do in our lives, maybe jobs that we choose and, and things like that. It also has nitty-gritty, day-to-day implications. Look, what does Jesus want most from me today? I wonder how you'd answer that question, uh, and I'll be very interested to hear what you think. But actually, I've slightly led you down the wrong path with my question. Because our natural assumption is that what Jesus wants most is what we can do for him. Where in fact, what Jesus wants most is what he can do for us. That's what we're going to see in the short passage that was read to us this morning. But just as a reminder, or if you haven't been here, where we've got to, we started our new series in Luke's Gospel two weeks ago, and we saw that Jesus has set his face to go to Jerusalem. He has resolved that he is going to go to Jerusalem, where he's going to lay down his life for his people. He set his face there. But he hasn't been ignoring those that he's come across on the way. And indeed, he's tried to meet and to speak with those who are on the way. But reception to him hasn't been particularly warm until today, until now. Verse 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Lovely. Martha welcomes him into her house. In Luke's gospel, to not welcome someone or to not receive was to reject was to say, look, I want nothing to do with you. It's what we saw two weeks ago the Samaritans did. They, or didn't. They didn't welcome Jesus. They, they rejected him. But to receive or to welcome like Martha did is to sign to embrace, embrace Jesus, to embrace his message, to embrace his kingdom. So Martha welcomes Jesus. It's a lovely picture. And Martha has a sister, Mary, who receives Jesus as well. It's described a different way, but verse 39, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. So it's a lovely scene, particularly on the backdrop of the rejection that we've seen from others. Martha, Martha welcomes Jesus and sets about trying to be the consummate host. And then Mary sat, lapping up every word that Jesus says. But even in this lovely picture, this contrast is made between the two women. And I'm sorry, I'm almost certainly going to say the wrong name at some time later. How parents do it, you know, when they name the same children with the same letter. 
Well, I can't even remember my own children's names, but like, when they're all the same letter, it's a nightmare. So Mary and Martha, I'm going to probably say the one's wrong. But let's say so we're all clear. Martha, so if I say the wrong one, you know I said the wrong one. Martha, she is busy, busy, busy. She is serving, she is working hard to welcome Jesus and to make sure everyone has what they need. Mary is sat down listening to Jesus. So that's the contrast between the two. And that contrast is then heightened in verse 20, verse 40, sorry. But Martha was distracted with much serving. She was distracted by much serving and went up to him, Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. See, Martha's not too happy about this arrangement. And it's understandable, isn't it? It's quite possible, in fact, I think it's hinted at, that she would have loved to have been sat there listening to Jesus too. But she had all the things to do. There was so much to do to make sure that everything was right. And her sense of duty meant that she couldn't just sit there. And so she wants Jesus to get Mary to help her. But, verse 42, uh, 41, sorry, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Jesus is really clear. Mary has chosen the better option. She has chosen what is best. Jesus is explaining to Martha that there is nothing more important than sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to him. And I'm going to say that again, and you're going to hear me say it again and again. There is nothing more important than sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to him. Martha might be doing what is good. It's good to welcome Jesus and be a good host. She was doing what is good. Mary is doing what is best. And what we're going to do this morning is look at each of these characters in turn to see why that is the case. So first off, you can see from your your sheets, looking at Martha, and the thing for Martha and for us today is, look, don't be distracted even by the good. Don't be distracted even by the good. A lot of us, uh, and perhaps particularly if we're practically minded, initially go, hang on a sec, isn't this a bit unfair on Martha? After all, she is taking her responsibilities as a host very seriously. We have some Middle Eastern people in our church family. Um, Maybe you have friends from the Middle East. If you do, you know how important hospitality is in that culture. And again, in that culture, particularly back then, the responsibilities of hospitality would have fallen to the women. So Martha is doing what she should It's not as though Martha is in a different room saying, Jesus, I'll be with you in a minute. I'm just finishing the season season finale of my favorite TV program, and then I'll be there. Martha is doing what was good, what was right, that in one sense she should have been doing. Indeed, twice in verse 40, she's described as serving. And serving is always a positive thing in Luke's Gospel. In fact, serving is how Jesus himself described his ministry. Serving is what he did as he went to Jerusalem and died on the cross in the place of his people's sins. 
She was serving. And Martha was serving. She was doing a good thing. She's doing a good thing. She's doing a right thing. But she wasn't doing the best thing. And also we're told that her heart attitudes, her heart attitudes aren't quite right. So first off, Luke gives us an insight in verse 40, the beginning there. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Martha was distracted. Again, that's the hint there that really she would love to have been sat with Jesus listening, but she's been distracted from that. I was thinking back of times back at university a while ago now, but you know, I was heading to the library and then a friend said, look, come and have lunch and play pool. And I was distracted. You know, I knew that going to the library was important, I wanted to do it, uh, but that's, I got distracted off. And that's it. Mary, uh, Martha, there you go, I caught myself at least. Martha, she wanted to listen to Jesus, but she's been distracted away. And her distractions have led really to some pretty unpleasant attitudes, actually. You see, her distraction away from Jesus and listening to him had, focused, had led her to focus on herself and to feeling sorry for herself and led even to resentment. And it seems like she might almost have been a bit angry at Jesus. See the second half of verse 40? Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Now the the question is asked in the original in a sense that is expecting the answer, well, of course Jesus cares. Do you not care care for me? Of course he cares. But Mary... Look, Jesus, if you cared for me, well, then you'd get Mary to help me. And we've got to be careful about reading too much into tone and things, but you you get that sense of self-pity in there. Don't you care? She's left me to do everything. I'm the one doing all of the serving here, Jesus. And then Jesus exposes her heart further in verse 41. And he does so very gently, very lovingly, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. There's a, a children's uh, Bible that, or a storybook that we have, um, that we read to our kids. Uh, Martha, Martha, you're all in a flap. You're worried about this and those and that. Martha, Martha, you've, you're distracted. You, you've become anxious. You've become, become fixated on, on all the things that need to be done. You're fretting about it. Those concerns, those right concerns have started to choke you and consume you. And that's made you resentful to your sister. And brothers and sisters, this is a danger for Christians who are busy serving Jesus. Busy service can breed bitterness. And we are busy, busy, busy. It is then all too easy to only focus on what needs to be done. And when we start focusing simply on what needs to be done, then it probably won't be long before we're resenting others for not doing what we think they should be doing. Or, just instead of delighting in serving Jesus, well, we start to feel sorry for ourselves because of all the difficulties. Because actually it's hard, because things go wrong. Things don't happen how I want them to happen. Or we start 
feeling resentful because no one seems to notice all the hard work that we're doing. Nobody thanks me for the hard work that we're doing. And we can find it increasingly common to be critical and fault-finding others. And all those attitudes stem from when we start to get distracted from Jesus ourselves. When we are distracted from Jesus ourselves and from listening to him, that is the pathway that can lead to those resentments. Ministry, serving Jesus, must never stop us from being with Jesus. And if that's you, even as I've been speaking this morning, and you're very aware of those attitudes in yourself, just stop for a moment, set some time, stop, step back, and remember why it is that you're busy, busy, busy. Why is it that you're serving? Well, probably that, is, that, well, that has stemmed from before because you've want, you love Jesus and you want to serve him. But perhaps you've lost sight of that. I would say at least twice a week. I'm going in the morning to, to do my, my quiet time, to do my own daily Bible reading. And I probably about at least twice a week, I'll have that thought go through my head is, you probably don't really need to do this. After all, you're going to be prepping a sermon all day. So you're going to spend plenty of time in, in the Bible then prepping for the sermon. That goes through my head at least twice a week. And many of us are serving in Holiday Club in the next couple of weeks. Oh, is that a busy week? <laughs> busy, busy, busy week that one is, isn't it? How tragic it would be if we go in seeking to serve Jesus and yet not having had spent any time sitting at his feet listening to him ourselves. And how wonderful it would be if all of us serving in that holiday club week come into that day of serving, having first been served, having spent time sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to him. Or can I speak particularly <coughs> excuse me, to, to dear, our dear junior church leaders? That extra hour, hour and a half that you devote to coming to the other service so that you can be here and sit in and hear God's words, or that, that hour that you spend catching up online, that is the best use of an hour, hour and a half that you could have in your week. Or well, dear tech team, music team, you've both heard this already this morning, but for the other tech and music people who aren't here, be on that guard of being focused on what we're doing to the extent that I forget about Jesus myself and I forget about hearing him myself. Don't be thinking about how that last chord is going to go in that final song or whatever else, maybe the equivalent be, a few tech guys, I don't know what you do. <laughs> but be on your guard for those things. Dear Connect leaders, in your preparations for seeking to help other people listen to Jesus, don't forget to listen to Jesus yourself. As you come to prep again, come to that passage yourself to hear first and foremost. But here's the thing, and, and we do have to be, be really careful here. Because if we come away from this sermon thinking, oh no, I've been in such a rubbish job. God must be really disappointed in me. I've got to sort myself out. I've got to start reading the Bible. This is something else I've got to do. If we come away thinking like that, then we've completely missed the point. That was Martha's problem. She got distracted by what she thought she had to do. 
But the point is it's not about what we have to do for Jesus. It's about what he does for us. And in that sense, in, in this wanting to do, I wonder, I don't, I'm not sure about this, I've never noticed this before, but I wonder whether Martha is the, the Christian version of the lawyer we met last week. Remember the lawyer last week? Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He thought there was something I have to do in order to get eternal life. Jesus is saying, look, you can't do it. You need me. And I wonder whether Martha here is almost the Christian version of that. What what do I need to do for you, Jesus? I want to do for you, Jesus. And just like with the lawyer, you want to say, it's not about what you do for me, first and foremost. It's about what I do for you. I've come to save you, and I want to speak to you. Our relationship with Jesus is primarily one of receiving. We receive salvation. That's the starting point of that relationship. And daily, we want to start by hearing from Jesus, being spoken to by him. And so Jesus says very clearly in verse 42, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So that's Martha. That's the warning we get from her, is don't be distracted, even by what is good. Now Mary, and we're called to be devoted to what is best. Sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to him is what is best. In fact, Jesus describes it as necessary, really strongly. You've probably heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's kind of a bit of psychology that has kind of crept into everyday thinking. From the 40s, he was a, <coughs> excuse me, he was a psychologist and had this kind of triangle of needs. Down the bottom, you had like the, the most important. So you had physiological, like you need air, you need uh, food, water. Then you have um, safety, things like employment, and health, and then it kind of goes up. And Jesus would say, you've missed something quite important although I was actually corrected after the first service. Apparently there's a footnote that does say something about religion in in there anyway. But Jesus would say, look, you've missed off something. One thing is necessary. One thing is necessary. And it is listening to me. Necessary. See, not what you can do for me, but what I can do for you. Necessary. The word is is needed. Like if you are really ill, you need a doctor. That's what Jesus is talking about here. You need to listen to me. And it's also just, he describes it as the good portion. That word portion, good portion, is literally the word again that we would use for your portion of a meal. Um, So imagine the next time you have a roast dinner. That's a bit tricky because I love all parts of a roast dinner. Mostly. But imagine next time you're having a roast dinner and there are some of the vegetables you're not so keen on. Maybe some sprouts and some other weird stuff. Uh, uh, but your plate, now your plate had the meat and the roast potatoes and the Yorkshire puddings and as much gravy as you can manage. I got the good portion. The best bits. That, that's what Jesus is saying here. Li- Mary listening to Jesus is the good portion. The best bits. It is necessary. Listen to Jesus. Necessary. It's the good portion. But it's necessary. And, and just think for a moment the implications of that are huge. 
ahead of your work, ahead of your family, ahead of your physical needs, ahead of your schoolwork, ahead of your hobbies, ahead of your service in church. One thing is necessary. Now again, don't create false tensions. So often those things go together. But if circumstances compel us to choose, we must something we must choose above all else, hearing from Jesus. Why? Why is that the case? Well, I wonder whether Luke gives us a bit of a hint just in these verses that four times, um, not usually, com- not particularly common at this stage, but <coughs> excuse me, Jesus is described as Lord. Jesus is Lord. Because look, if there is a creator, the creator who came to visit humanity and speak to humanity in his incarnation, and if his words are preserved for us here in the Bible, well then surely our first duty and our, our highest pleasure, as someone wrote, our first duty and highest pleasure is to sit and listen to what he says. He's the Lord. Every, each and every day we hear so many voices. We listen to so many things. We have the opportunity to listen to the Lord. And of course, reading, spending time with Jesus, that doesn't affect, in that sense, my salvation. As Mark was saying, it's not as though right, every time I, I read the Bible, I've got my extra gold star and I've got another gold star and they build up. No, it's not that, but, but reading, spending time with Jesus affects my understanding and my appreciation and my enjoyment of the salvation that Jesus brings. And of course, spending time with Jesus is all about relationship. It is building relationship with him. Because that, that's how t- all relationships really are built on time. This came home to me a couple of weeks ago as... Um, uh, we, we had some of our, our youth group from the church that we grew up come around to, uh, to Amy Mai's house, and we had a meal. And some people I hadn't, we hadn't seen physically for four years. But as soon as they're there, you're, you're back off and running again because of time spent. Relationships are built on time, and as we spend time with Jesus by, by listening to him, that's how our relationship is built. Now, how do we do that well, again, first and foremost, here it is in the Bible. Christians and I, indeed, we talk a lot about uh, a quiet time, a daily time set aside um, to read God's Word and then to respond in prayer. But the important thing about a quiet time is not to view it as another item on the to-do list. It's not something, again, that we do for Jesus. It's a chance for him to speak to us. Again, the the problem for Martha was that her her busyness in serving had distracted her from listening to Jesus. If we're honest, then actually often our distractions are less noble. In a time I slightly dread is is Monday, I'm going to go ding, and I get my screen report, see all the things that I've, the amount of time I've spent on my phone. I'm not going to show you. Often those distractions are less noble. 
But daily time spent reading God's word is, is the foundation for that. And look, nowhere in the Bible does it say, thou shalt spend 20 minutes in the morning in a quiet place with a Bible open and you're going to read it for 15 minutes and then you're going to respond in prayer for five minutes and then you can get on your merry way. The Bible doesn't talk about that. But for Christians down the centuries, daily time spent set aside to listen to Jesus helps make that happen. And for many people, the morning is the best time to do that. That time to guard out, to set apart and say, I'm going to listen to Jesus. And for many of us, that's going to maybe getting up for the children, going downstairs, turning the coffee machine on, finding a quiet place. For you, it may be the, the commute and you stick some ear-cancelling headphones in so you don't get distracted and you're spending time there. The, the Bible doesn't say you should do it this way and that way. But it does say, Jesus is saying, that prioritise this. Make sure you set that time aside where you can listen to Jesus. You know, in, <coughs> excuse me, um, just at the, before the new year, we um, talked about Bible reading notes and plans, things to help you have that structure to help you listen to Jesus each and every day. Maybe if those have drifted off, here's our encouragement to keep going. If daily Bible reading isn't something actually you've really ever done, I'd love to talk to you and give you some suggestions of things you could do. My encouragement would be to simply start small. A few minutes, a few verses, but do something. Listen to Jesus, our Lord. And it's not simply just uh, reading the Bible like this. Of course, um, we have good Christian books. Good Christian books which point us to the Lord Jesus, help us to listen to him. That's why I've got this book stall out. It's going to be here this week and next week. The majority of books there actually are kind of back catalogues of things as a church that we've recommended and done in the past. There are a couple of new ones as well. I encourage you to head over there, have a little look. Is there a Christian book that will help you listen to Jesus? And of course, it's not just something that we do by ourselves. Listening to Jesus isn't only that time set by yourself. Actually, it's something we do together. You know, that effort that you make to get to your Connect study in that busy day is so worth it because you yourself are listening to Jesus and you're going to help others do the same. The prioritization of a Sunday morning of not just nipping off for weekends away every other week, but know that focus to meet with your brothers and sisters to listen to Jesus. It's a good priority. It's well worth making. And indeed, listening to Jesus will help us to serve Jesus well. Remember, this wasn't that Martha was doing a bad thing, Mary was doing a good thing. No, we are called to serve and listening to Jesus, we're going to hear that we should serve an awful lot. But listening to him is going to help us to serve him rightly and to not be distracted and to not get consumed with the busy, busy, busy but to serve him joyfully. One thing is necessary. One thing is a good portion, and it is sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to him. What a great privilege it is that we get to listen to Jesus, the Lord. He's brought us into a relationship with him now. He promises that relationship in heaven for all eternity. But we get to enjoy it now too.
Let's pray. Our Father God, we thank you again for your words. We thank you for for Jesus' words that we have preserved for us, that we can hear from him, that every single Christian can sit down by ourselves and hear from Jesus is such a privilege. (coughs) And thank you that we can hear from him together as we sit under your word each week. Please would we have that delight that we wouldn't get distracted by busyness of any sort, but would prioritize him and listen to him. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.